Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 12 of a series of episodes called Leading Others to Christ. During these episodes, our focus will be on evangelism. We, we do have several goals that we're trying to reach by doing these interviews, but, but one, the main one is to stir us up, to revive us again, if you will, and that does uh, thinking more focused on evangelism of how to reach out and teach those in our community, our family and friends, uh, teach them the gospel to help lead them to Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana. And those of you that know me know that I'm passionate about leading others to Christ. And I've thought about that a lot over my life, and I look back, and it all really started when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky, when I was in college, when it led up to that point where I, I obeyed the gospel. And so I've been striving to learn how to teach others ever since then. And I like to use some of the phrases and statements in the scripture to kind of get us going, but uh, I've always been striving to teach others. I've been striving to sow the seed, uh, to be a fisher of men, striving to make disciples, and also to teach others to teach. Uh, remembering what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and women, of course, who will be able to teach others also. So I came up with this idea of, well, who are the ones that are really out there doing this? Uh, who are the Christians that are out there that are fellow workers that are leading others to Christ? And once we find out who they are, let's interview them and let's ask them some questions. We want to learn more about them. We want to learn who they are, where they are. Why are they so motivated to be involved in doing this work? Uh, what tools are they using? And we've been really, really excited of the response so far to these interviews and hoping it, uh, I'm hoping that it is starting to work where we are stirring some people up here. Today, we're really excited, and I really mean that. We, um, we have uh, with us today Ron Adams. Uh, Ron is uh, somebody, I've said this every time too, make sure you get your pad and pen out and take some notes here because you're going to be able to learn some things from our interview today with Ron Adams. But Ron, I was thinking, I think the first time we met, I know it was, was out in the San Diego area several years ago uh, when we came there to hear you uh, preach. And uh, But anyway, welcome, Ron Adams. Oh, I'm glad to be with you this morning, yes. Yes, well, that's wonderful. Uh, I know you live down in the, uh, in the Tampa area now. Again, it's good to uh, see. Be sure, I, so I don't forget, be sure and tell Maria I said hi uh, and, and th that we recognized her, okay? All right. She would feel disappointed if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start out with this, Ron. We've been doing it every time. Give us a short bio of who is Ron Adams? Where were you born? Where you kind of bring us up to speed? Okay, started in a little burg in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan in the Depression. My folks moved to California looking for a job. Ended up in Colton, California, and grew up in that city and. Went to schools there, and uh, that's where it started. But to say this, in the same block was a young, uh, another kid, just four or five years younger than me, that kept inviting me to services. And I, I knew the family, and I didn't go, didn't go, didn't go. And I, I'd been looking at other churches for whatever and couldn't find what I was looking for. But I went with him one time, and that opened my eyes. 
and uh, that was a church in San Bernardino, California. And I thought, this preacher makes sense. Uh, and that, that was the beginning. I was 18 years old at the time, raised in a moral family, but not religious, and obeyed the gospel there. And a year later, I married my sweet wife in 1954. This had 66-year anniversary. And patience. Yeah, yes, she she <laughs> has patience. She, <laughs> but uh, when I first started there, the the elders must have seen something in me because within a year, one of the elders took me aside and said, "Have you ever thought about being a preacher?" My answer was absolutely no. But I got thinking about it, and uh, from there on, I was uh, doing some fill-in preaching for preachers that were on vacation or sick or whatever on short notice. Then I was drafted into the army and in Georgia, in Augusta, Georgia, they were sending out young men to the small congregations to fill in preaching. And so I took one of the works down in uh, south of Augusta and about eight members were meeting in a little lean-to next to a gas station. And I preached there for about uh, three or four months while I was there. So that was some of my first experiences. After getting out of the service, I started uh, working with congregations on a short notice uh, again. But some of the short notices ended up long, like one year. So doing that for a while and working full-time at the newspaper, San Bernardino Sun-Telegram, my health started deteriorating. And the doctor said, you have to cut out one or the other. So in 1970, I went into full-time preaching in Orchid, California, and that was the beginning. Wow. So. Well, that's, uh, I learned a couple of things there uh, that I didn't know. You know, a couple of thoughts that, uh, that I did notice, your, your friend that invited you to services, right? I've been saying this a lot. What if that friend had never invited you to service? What oh. if, or what if you never accepted, you know? Of, of those little moments in time, or you said one of the guys came up to you and said, Ron, have you ever considered being a preacher? And you said, no, but, but by him asking that it planted that seed in your mind and it made you think about it even as a young man, right? Yes. And I, then his name was Pete Hicks. He invited me. I lost track of how many times before I finally accepted lesson learned. Don't give up. Don't give up. Good. I think it's great that you remember his name. That's really good. Yes, uh, he, he ended up a preacher himself, and his son is a preacher in Arizona. Wow. You know, we could spend the rest of our time just talking about the dynamics of that, you know, the power of an invitation, uh, of planting those, those thoughts and those seeds in, in the minds of not just young people, but uh, of everyone. And then, and then this, this fill-in idea. I remember doing that as well of where you go and, and fill in for somebody or like you say that you said what three or four months there it was a lean-to next to a, a gas is that what you said next to, yeah. Next to yeah yeah and and we had one baptism there we had to go to augusta for the for a baptistry but they were t- usually eight people were there visitors made it 15 when you went there, you opened the door, turned on the heat, turned on the lights, taught the class, led the prayer, served the communion, preached the sermons. And if one old gentleman happened to be able to do it that day, he'd lead the closing prayer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, again, 
the ones that have never experienced that, they can't even relate. Yeah, and, and I've been not exactly like that, but similar situations. But, uh, well, that's good. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I know that you, uh, when we were talking before, uh, you had, you talked about preaching the East Coast, the West Coast, uh, the Midwest. What are, just what are some observations that you've made, the differences in doing evangelism and preaching and working based on the community that you're in, the differences in the communities? Okay, in San Diego, most everyone is very busy and it's difficult to get a home study going. But I managed to keep at least one or two going every all the time. And speaking of that, the, when you visited there, we were in lease facilities because there was no property to, to buy or build a church building in San Diego. There were 50 churches in leased or rented facilities in the area. Wow. So it made it hard, but uh, we, we made it go. Yes, you did. Um, well, just so we're in a, re a rented facility here in uh, Franklin, Indiana. So I've been through that many times as well. Uh, but yeah, I've seen that in some of the people that we've been interviewing. You know, uh, uh, if you're in like today with 2020, with the coronavirus and, and all the, the uh, rioting and all the stuff going on. And you look at it in, in Brooklyn, New York. You look at it in, in Tampa. You look at it in San Diego. I mean, it's just uh, there's just a lot of chaos going on out there right now. But but the differences, like we used to talk about the Bible Belt or, you know, the further south you go, the more spiritually minded people are, the further north you go. And you can't group people together like that, but there's, uh, there's dynamics that are there in each community. And there, there, there certainly is. I found the south actually was the easiest place in uh, Georgia to work. Uh, California is difficult. It's very hard for anyone to make headway there. Because of the cost of living and everything, it makes it very, very difficult for people. I'd like to get into some of the things I've observed in trying to hold studies and spread the word that might be helpful to others. Let's do that. Let's go ahead and do that. I found out by trial and error that I learned more about my errors than my trials. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> and trying to reach out, you have to start where the person is, not just religiously, but where they are in their lifetime, because they all have lived some time and experiences on life's road, and those are dynamics that will play into you trying to reach them. And you have to do a lot of listening before you do a little talking. Yeah, that is so important there. And some, some of those who are eager to listen, others you have to convince, but I found out if you don't lay your groundwork of the Bible being authority, you might as well just go home. It's, uh, it's not going to work. Uh, as an airline pilot in Thousand Oaks, I found that out the hard way. He liked everything I taught. He said, it's right there in the Bible. Yes. He said, I'm not too sure I believe the Bible. Also, I found that in a small congregation, usually not too many people that can teach in, and reach others by doing the teaching. So I had them being the people to find me people to have studies with. And in a small town, like the woman barber that cut my hair, well, I got talking with her and she became part of the church. So I uh, was baptized there. And others were willing, eager to learn, and you couldn't go fast enough for them. So each person is so different. And you, just, you have to let them know you're interested in their soul and their life. Otherwise, it'll seem like you want them to join your church. No, that's 
that's good. Uh, and and again, that's one of the challenges I think in, in people getting involved in evangelism. They don't. I don't want to say they don't know enough. I don't mean that. I mean they don't know enough of what you were just talking about of the uh, the obstacles or the hurdles that potentially that they could run into, and how that hurtful that can be, even to the point of somebody saying, "Well, I've tried that. That's not going to work." But uh, Jesus told us it was going to be hard, and, and and few there would be that would listen, and few there would be that would find it, right? Yes. There was uh, one, one young man that lived in San Diego, and uh, matter of fact, uh, even stayed at our house for a week when they were moving uh, from one place to another, and they didn't have a place to stay. Nice family. His wife was a member. He came with her. I had home studies with him several times, and no response. And they moved to the East Coast, uh, South Carolina. And a couple of months later, he was at the building Wednesday night. He said, I was in town on business, and oh, by the way, I want to be baptized. Oh, oh. He wanted me to do it. So yes. he's bought the church church there in South Carolina someplace. So that, uh, he's really, you know, that was a eye-opener for me. Never give up. When you sow the seed, it may take a while to sprout, but just don't give up on that. Very important. Yeah. And yeah, don't you, give. Yeah, the others have mentioned, uh, too, the matter of you have to be passionate. If there's no passion in, in reaching out or preaching, it's just so much talk. Just so much talk. The other was I found out in in one town, the uh, high school class had uh, oh, four or five in there, and they started bringing their friends, and their friends were uh, being baptized, and the class started growing, and uh, it got to the point there was almost twenty, and there. So I took over the class and let someone else have the auditorium class, because those are a lot of new babes that need to be grounded. But that was such a wonderful experience there. And most of the time, a lot of them ended up our home Sunday afternoon and uh, got to really know them and enjoy them. So, And some, I'm still in contact with some of them. And the other one, a church in San Diego, the first one I went to, I had, we started having baptisms. I just after I got there, I think nine in the first two months. And it started growing. And I set up a study program for the new converts. Of, it was four sections. And it was rotating, so they could start any time, whenever one of the sections started, on different things, the Bible, the church, uh, what's Christian's responsibility, and, and all this. And uh, it was set up a special class for it, and I taught it, and it was very effective. I still know quite a few of those that were in that class. Well, uh, so many things there you're touching on are so powerful and so important. Uh, one of the episodes, I think I mentioned, I've, talk, I've talked to several people over the years and just asked the question, what kind of a, do you have a new converts class or a new life in Christ class? Or, And they just look at me and go, no, no, we don't. I just can't imagine uh, uh, a local work not having something like what you just described because the babies have to be fed. And, and they all have questions and they'll never hear it in a sermon. Never hear it answered in a sermon. They got to hear it somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. You know, the the time goes so fast with this. And, and uh, I wanted to, I'm going to hold up a couple of things here. Uh, you're a, you're quite the writer. Ponder this. Uh, uh, selected thoughts on life's road, pressing on to maturity. I, I probably need to read that one again. And then your, your for your consideration. See, I've got all your stuff here for your consideration. Oh, I know. 
And then uh, one that I just started getting into was the life of Paul the Apostle. And uh, so I want to ask, I know you worked in the newspaper for a while, but you really like to write, don't you? Well, I didn't like to write at all. I hated English and hated to write a paper until I got into college. And the first paper I turned in had so many red marks on it, I couldn't read it. So I thought I better better learn how to do this. And it's developed over the years, because I've got quite a few years of development here. But it started, started narrowing down to the, I said, succinct. I think making a point and not laboring it will have a lasting impression more than a long story that Pretty soon you forgot where it started. So, uh, I get, you, you probably need to talk to my wife, Gay, because she tells me that my stories are starting to get too long, and then sometimes I forget what point I was going to make. But I need to, <laughs> I need to follow your, your wisdom. Um, well, but now, uh, let's go ahead and mention it now, because your, your website is uh, ra10ar.com. Did I get yeah, that right? Okay. That is correct. And people can go there and, and, and have access and see some of the materials that you've written, correct? Yes. There are ebooks, there are sermons, outlines, there are sermon audio, and there are lessons for class, individual lessons, lesson booklets for longer studies. Uh, there's almost 500 items that are all downloadable. Yeah, it's a, uh, for those that are listening, it's a great resource, and I encourage you to go to, uh, check out Ron's uh, work there. He's really good. It's been visited. I quit counting after 110 countries had, had logged in. So Wow. It's, wow. It's, there are, I know there's people in all over the world that I get email from. So Yeah, that's wonderful. And there you go again. I mean, it's like you don't, we don't know the power of planting the seed. We don't know the power of planting the seed by your those, those that have the ability and the gift to write and how that, how that can, uh, especially in our time today with uh, the internet and all the technology, of, uh, that it can go to 110 countries. That, that's amazing. You know, uh, I, I was thinking about this. I had some, I'm not going to name the name, but I had somebody about a year ago say to me, somebody that was in my past that I thought very much of, was involved in, in evangelism and preaching and teaching. And, and I said, well, how are you doing? And he said, with a sad look on his face, he said, I guess it's because I'm, I'm getting old. I, I'm just, I don't feel useful anymore. And, and the congregation, they just, they're just not using me like they used to. You know, and that's, that hurt to hear him say that. But I think, let, let's talk about that just real quick. Yeah, you're both, you're a whole lot older than I am. But how old are you? I'm 74. How old are you? 85. 85. All right. And, and, and in congregations, do you, I mean, obviously it happens, but what, what do you think happens sometimes in a negative way? And what are some positive things that a church can do to continue to recognize how powerful it is to have these older brother, uh, brothers and sisters in their group? Okay. It doesn't have to be serving publicly. Matter of fact, I rarely do anything here. And I told them I didn't want to because I wanted the young men to have the opportunity to do that. But I was there if they needed me, but I do what I can with what I have where I am. And that's a motto of mine. Do what you can where you are with what you have. And I think the man you're talking about should look for other ways rather than doing something publicly. How about calling people on the phone, checking on, sending out notes, visiting? All that is just as important as getting up there and leading a prayer. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's so good. And I know that uh, one of the favorite, my favorite verses, uh, back to Paul talking to Timothy again. And I know when Paul wrote to him, he was a young preacher. But in Second Timothy two twenty one, he uses the phrase there to be useful for the master. And young people can be useful, and but older ones can as well. And we, I think we just need to keep encouraging each other. Even as we get older, there's things that we can still do. And, and like you're, you continue to write and reach people that way. You and Marie are hospitable and, 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 and there's ways to reach out like that. So that, that is so good. Let's talk about that just real quick. How important is the support of a wife to, one, to a man that's an evangelist? How, how important is that, a supportive wife? She can be his foundation or she can be his nemesis. She, she can make or break it. Yeah, make or break it. All right. And the, the amount of work and time that's involved in trying to reach out and teach others, uh, I think a lot of people don't know that or don't recognize or, or realize how much time is involved, how much time to set up the study, develop that relationship in the beginning. And it, it can turn into uh, sometimes a real short some of them can turn into be very long, and the wife has to understand that. And a lot of times, uh, the wife can be involved in those studies. If there's mm-hmm. children, I mean, it's just it's just a big part of the whole work there of somebody that is an evangelist in in trying to teach others. All right, you, you shared a couple of stories earlier. Is there one particular uh, story that you remember of someone that that you taught and obeyed the gospel, and they kind of, you just you you mentioned a couple of them there. Is there any mm-hmm. others that? Uh, that you might want to mention uh, of somebody that you taught in a story. Oh. That- All right. There was a, in San Diego, a woman was there with her children. Husband was deployed with the Navy. She had been out of duty. And when she came back, she said, I don't know what my husband's going to do when he found out. So she gave us his mailing address. And uh, what it evolved to where he was starting to take some of the lessons on the ship before he got back. And when he got back, he was baptized, and he adopted some more children. I think they're in Florida or Virginia now. But he's been an elder and worked in the church ever since then. Wow. And a lovely family. I have one other model. Yes. This This is dealing with everybody, especially church members. Be thoughtful and kind. That's it. That'll cover everything. Wow, thoughtful and kind. Yeah. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a big part of my my the one thing question that I'm going to ask you. I think if I if I'm reading you right, somebody's listening to this and they go, you know what, I need to get involved in evangelism, or maybe I let somebody discourage me years ago. I tried to teach them and and just you know got embarrassed because I couldn't answer their questions or whatever. But what's one thing, Ron, that you would say to somebody that that they need to learn or they need to do in order to get involved in evangelism? Well, first of all, learn from your mistakes. <laughs> Good. When, you, when you do it wrong, you actually learn more than when you do it right. And then, of course, prayer and Bible knowledge is important. But it's love of souls. It has to be something that you feel you want, not only want to do, but must do. Wow, yeah. Uh, that keeps coming up here, and there's a reason for that. The love of souls and not something that you that you do, but something that you must do. Yeah. Why are you so motivated? Why have you been so motivated to do this over the years? Well, when I found out what it was all about, I thought, if I found this and it was great, why not share it with others and help them along the way? 
I've, I've been an elder in two congregations along the way, and uh, that was over 25 years ago. And it's so important to help them not only to get baptized, that's the uh, initiation, so, so to speak. That's yes. the beginning. And like when I was in a young man and he said commencement exercises at school, and I thought, well, that means they're ending. <laughs> no, they're beginning life. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 it's just the beginning. Oh. Yeah. Well, listen, my wife and I, uh, we do really appreciate our friendship with you and Marie, and so thankful that we got to meet you years ago there in San Diego. And, and we've been able to keep this friendship going, and, and Lord willing, we can continue to do that. Yeah, we feel the same. Well, thank you. But uh, it really means a lot to me, Ron, that you took the time this morning to do this, and keep up your good work. You two have been a big influence on Gay and I, and I know you have been on others as well. So God bless you, and again, thank you for being with us today on Leading Others to Christ, and we will talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.